Thanks for tuning in to the Crew at UGA podcast. We are so glad to have you with us. Crew exists to call students to know God, grow in their faith, and go to the world. If you would like to get more connected with Crew at UGA, or if we can help you in any way at all, go to the show notes and click on the link, or follow us on Instagram at Crew at UGA. All right, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Crew at UGA podcast. I'm Kyler. I'm a full-time staff member with Crew, and with me again today is Alan, Crew at UGA team leader. Hi, everybody. Happy February. <laughs> we're, I can't believe we're already in February. It's cruising right along. It really is. Oh, my gosh. But, uh, but hey, we're glad to be here. Yeah, we are glad to be here, and I am especially glad to be here because I love the series that we're doing, mm-hmm. and so all week long, I've just been excited about hearing what you're going to bring us today because I, just, I love what we have going on here. Yeah, and so the series we're in is called I Believe. Uh, Alan, last week you gave us a a quick intro to that series, and you did our first talk on the doctrine of the Trinity. And so for everyone out there who who hasn't had the privilege of listening to last week's episode, uh, why don't you give a little recap for them? Well, I'm sure this is useless because everyone has listened (laughs) to the episode, right? Podcast fans? (laughs) What we talked about last week was how the Trinity seems like this great mysterious doctrine, which it is, but what it really communicates is that God made us to be in a love relationship with Him. And that's an exciting thought. And when we talk about the Trinity and the nature of it, we see how Jesus through our salvation that he achieved for us and won for us, invites us into that same relationship that God has with the members of the Trinity. And that's why it's so important that he's three in one and not just a lone solitary figure. So if you haven't listened to it, we encourage you to go back and listen to it. I think it just really warms your heart to see Mm. that doctrine correctly. Yeah, absolutely, it really does. So today, Kyler, we're going to continue, right? Yeah. All right, so we're doing this I Believe series, and this is a series in which we are taking a look at a few core Christian doctrines or truths about God that we just think are really important for us to know and understand and have direct bearing on who we are and how we live. Yeah. Okay? So today, the title of the message is, I Believe God is For Me. Mm. Right? Why are we talking about this? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think some of the modern oppositions to Christianity can sound something like this. Maybe you've heard this before. Christianity is a straitjacket. Mm. It limits my freedom. The Bible is really just a rule book. Oh, how many times have we heard this? Oh my gosh, all the time. Yeah, yeah, and you know, it's just a system of rules to follow, the do's and don'ts. And mm-hmm. Christianity is only about obeying rules and being a good person so that God won't be mad at you. Absolutely. You know, and yeah. that really contradicts the heart of God and the nature of God, which we'll talk about later. Um, but I will say growing up, I had similar thoughts about the Bible and Christianity. I think maybe we all do at, at some degree. But hopefully today on our episode, we'll provide a more helpful framework in addressing some of these oppositions. Because yes, the Bible contains commands from God. Absolutely. Morality and doing good is certainly something God cares about. It's not like he stands for immorality or doing wrong. Right. You know, that's not what he wants. Um, but as we talk about these things today, it's important that we start with first the character of God, and then also we talk about the context of his commands before we strictly look at the commands themselves. Great. And so that's what we're doing today. Great. So first, what about the character of God? Well, Alan, much of this you've already touched on in, in last week's episode, that you laid out that God is Trinitarian, which means he's the God of love. He is a God of relationship. He's a God of tender care. You said all this last week. Mm-hmm. You know, and just to add to that, 
This means that God is good. It means that he is wise, he's holy, he's merciful, he's trustworthy. He is a God of righteousness and of justice. I feel like we should just pause right there and just kind of meditate on all those words you just used. Because that's exactly the Bible's description of God. Mm -hmm. That's who we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And so like you said, this is the God of the Bible and this is the God that we are invited to know personally. And so what that means is that with any and every command that we see in the Bible, they flow out of these characteristics of God. And therefore, they resemble or they point us to the character of God. And so we got to start there, the character of God. But now let's talk about the context of God's commands. You see, in the Bible, God didn't just give commands for the sake of giving commands. No, he could have. You know, he's God. He can do whatever he wants. But what we see in the Bible is that God gave commands or instructions in the context of a covenant relationship with his people. Now, and I just threw out the word covenant. We don't use that word a lot in, in maybe our daily language. And so we need to clear up maybe what this is. What is a covenant? And what do I mean when I say that the covenant relationship is the context of God's commands? And so, Alan, a couple of days ago, I was reading this article about covenants. That I'm actually going to be drawing from for this talk. But the first sentence of this article said, All true theology is based on some form of divine covenant. That's a loaded sentence. I mean, and if the author's right, then we've got to get a grasp on what is this thing called a covenant that God is all about or that God makes. And so at its most basic level, a covenant is an oath-bound relationship between two or more parties. So for instance, like a marriage covenant. You see, I, Kyler, am in a marriage covenant relationship with my wife, Natalie. We made vows, we made oaths to one another on our wedding day that we intend to keep. But in terms of divine covenant that we see in Scripture, this is divine as God sovereignly establishing a relationship with his creatures. In a divine covenant, God binds himself by his own oath to keep his promises to his people, which is just amazing that God would do that. But what's the point? What's the goal of this divine covenant? Well, it can be summed up in this statement that If you look at your Bible, you can see it all throughout Scripture, Old and New Testament. This is the statement. I will be your God, and you will be my people, and I will dwell among you. That's the message. That's the goal of God's divine covenant. He initiated a vow with humanity stating that he will be their God, and they will be his people. And what's better than that? Mm -hmm. Alan, you mentioned last week the most loving and the greatest thing that a, that God can do for us is to give us himself. Give us himself, that's right. And that's what the covenant states. Wow. That's the point of the covenant. And so, again, you see, this is the context for God's commands. All of God's commands flow out of his covenantal love and his covenantal relationship with his people. And so we see right here, God is for us. He's yeah. for our good, and his commands flow out of that. Fantastic foundation. Yeah. So let's see how this comes together even more clearly. So in Scripture, one of the most clear pictures of divine covenant is God's covenant that he made with the Israelites. And so, Alan, why don't you read a couple of passages in Deuteronomy that show this? Sure. This is Deuteronomy 7, 6 through 9, then we're going to skip down to 12 through 13. So Deuteronomy 7, 6 starts, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. Mm. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples. 
but it is because the Lord loves you Mm. and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. And here's verse 12. And because you listen to these rules and keep and do them, the Lord your God will keep with you the covenant and the steadfast love he swore to your fathers. He will love you, bless you, and multiply you. Yeah. And so there you see, I mean, before we move on, here's this covenant language, right? Over and over, God's saying, hey, I'm a God that made a covenant with your fathers, the Israelites, your people, uh, and I'm going to keep this because of my steadfast love for you. Um, So now, why don't you read uh, Deuteronomy 10? Okay, this is Deuteronomy 10, starting in verse 12. It says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. Behold, to the Lord your God belongs heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth and all that is in it. Yet the Lord set his heart in love on your fathers and chose their offsprings after them, you above all peoples as you are this day. Hmm. I love these passages. They're great. Yeah. I wish we could spend the whole podcast just reading the book of Deuteronomy because it's so amazing and it's so clear here. But I love these passages because I love what they communicate about God's character Mm. and his heart for his people and the covenant he made with them. Mm -hmm. But if you'll notice in both of these sections, within this context of covenant, God gives his people commands. So that's not a unloving thing to do. As a matter of fact, it's a very loving thing to do, I think, is what you're trying to uncover Mm -hmm. for us. Absolutely. Because God is for us, we believe God is for us, and out of that, he gives commands to his people. Hmm. So what do we see in that that section? Well, he commands them to fear him or to revere or honor him above anyone and everything else. He commands them to walk in his ways, to love him, to serve him with all their heart and soul. And he commands them to keep his commandments because of the covenant that he is in with them. You know, we won't be able to talk about this in much detail today, but but what's significant about this covenant is that God makes promises to his people, and he clearly states that they are to be committed wholeheartedly to him. But he warns them that if they are not faithful to him, and if they turn away from him, that there will be consequences and punishment for the people. But even though there will be consequences for their turning away, God's covenantal promise to the people remain. But let's look back at one of our Deuteronomy passages, specifically the end of verse 13 of chapter 10. So 12 and 13 goes like this. I'll read it again. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, and to keep the commands and the statutes of the Lord, which I'm commanding you today, here it is, for your Good. For your good. You see that? Yes. That's amazing. That that three-word nugget at the end is so good. I mean, plain as day, Moses is telling the Israelites that all of the commands of God are given to his people, such as the Ten Commandments that many of you are familiar with. They're given for the good of the people. They're not meant to be restrictive like a straitjacket by some controlling killjoy of a God. Instead, they were given for the good of the people. They were given to provide for them and to protect them. They were given to ensure a life of blessing and flourishing. 
They were given as guardrails on the path of covenantal love with the God of the universe. You see, God's commands for his people are good. And so now consider this example, maybe that you can, uh, you can think back when you're a child. So I imagine your parents wanted what was best for you. I imagine they wanted to protect you and provide for you as their child. And within that relationship, I imagine there were certain things they told you to do and not to do, right? I mean, examples, brush your teeth, eat your veggies, don't touch the stove, don't play in the street. I mean, I imagine the list could just go on and on. But do you see the point? Many of our parents, they gave us rules and commands like this not to be a killjoy, but because they loved us and because they wanted what was good for us. You know, and the same, really times a billion, is true for our God. He wants good things for his children because he loves them. Mm. So let's look at another example in the Bible where this is communicated. And so, Alan, why don't you read uh, Isaiah 48 for us? Oh, I love this passage in Isaiah 48. It's one of my favorites. Verse 17 of Isaiah 48 says, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God, who teaches you what is best for you, who leads you in the way you should go. Oh, that you had only paid attention to my commandments. Then your peace would have been like a river, your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Your offspring would have been like the sand, and your descendants like its grains. Their name would never be cut off or destroyed from before me. Mm. All right, so here we are. These are the words of God to his people, the Israelites. So again, the same people in Deuteronomy, the people in which God made a covenant with. And so these words, they exist inside of this covenantal relationship. Just recap here. But what's going on at the time that the prophet Isaiah spoke these words, the people of Israel, they were in exile, meaning they were captured by the Assyrians and taken away from their homeland. What was happening in exile, they were being punished because they did not stay faithful to God and stay faithful to his covenant. But what we see here in Isaiah 48, even during exile, God is reminding them of his covenant with them. He says, hey, remember, I'm your God. You're my people. I am the God who teaches you what is best for you. I'm the God who leads you in the way that you should go and, in, and leads you in the, in the way that you should live. And then he says, oh, oh, had you only paid attention to my commands. Oh, if you had only listened to me and obeyed me, your peace would have been like a river. But instead, you're in this place of exile. Your righteousness would have been like the waves of the sea, but instead, you've been living in rebellion against me. Your offspring would multiply, and they would experience the blessing of my covenant. But instead, you chose your own way, and you disobeyed my good commands for you. And I think it's great in this passage, you know, these... These uh, poetic examples or results that Isaiah shares about your peace being like a river or your righteousness like the waves of the sea, the, the description is abundance, mm, right? We, absolutely. You might read that and say, well, how is peace like a river? And what, what it means is think of a river just full of mm. water flowing, the Mississippi just flowing down, and you would have had so much peace. How many people do you know today that are just craving that peace of mind, that peace in their souls? Mm. So and here God is saying, I give it to you. Yeah. Obey my commands. Right, yeah. <laughs> Do yeah. what's good for you. Right. Of course you're not going to have peace when you go against my commands because mm. you're doing things that's bad for you. You're playing in the street. Right. Of course it's not going to be a very peaceful existence, right? I just, yeah. I love that that picture he's trying to, to give us of 
my commands yield good for you in mm-hmm. abundance. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, I mean, exactly what you said, Alan. What God is communicating to his people is that his commands are good, and they're for their good. And even though God's covenant love for his people remains, when his commands are not obeyed, it leads to all kinds of trouble and hurt and heartache, and life just isn't what it was meant to be. You know, a very clear example of this for my own life was when I was completely living outside of God's will, and I was really living in rebellion of his commands about sex and sexuality. You know, whether it was for me in dating relationships or in personal issues of lust and impurity, I totally disregarded God's commands in these areas. You know, if, if the sexual revolution back in the 70s taught us anything, it was the belief that there is nothing more freeing than sex. Mm. And even though I wasn't even thought of in the 70s, I fully bought into this as well. You know, I thought that God's commands on this subject were just so restrictive and that my freedom and my enjoyment in life were to be defined on my own terms outside of God's commands on these issues. But man, Alan, (laughs) there are two sides of that coin. One side promised me and gave me temporary pleasure and fulfillment and enjoyment and freedom, but the other side of that coin proved to be poison. It led to pain. It led to broken trust in relationships. It led to guilt and shame. It led to felt separation from God, my my God, my creator. And it really proved to be the exact opposite of freedom. It proved to be bondage to sin. Mm-hmm. And though all of that experience really came as a confusing surprise to me, God knew it wasn't good for me. God knew. God wanted something way better for me. And it turns out what was always better for me was living in the way that he initially commanded for me to live. Imagine that. Mm. (laughs) You know, he wasn't being a killjoy. He was actually proving himself to be a joy maximizer, Mm. giving me more of himself and giving me a life worth living in accordance with his will. That's just one example in my life how I see this Isaiah passage play out. Alan, what about you? How have you maybe seen this in your life? I just think in so many ways, so many of his commands are for our good. But I think specifically even back to when I was in college and just out of college, uh, I was really enmeshed in personal motivations that were just dragging me down Mm. in a way that God did not intend. And basically the word is ego. Mm. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. I was always the guy who wanted to be on the stage. I was always the guy who wanted to be the center of attention, always the guy who wanted to be the most important person Mm. in the room. And I did this in ministry. I did this in school. I did this with my friends. I had an inability to laugh at myself. I was always trying to achieve and be the best person. I was always trying to get the most compliments. And what that leads to, honestly, is fatigue. Mm. Self-promotion and trying to lead by ego and trying to put yourself in the center, it's exhausting. Mm. And I think of commands where God talks about how he opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Mm. Or the command in Peter where he says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Mm. In other words, that's saying you be humble. Let God take center stage. You be a humble servant. And in his time, God will exalt you when it's best, when it's good. When you deserve attention, Mm. when you deserve that encouragement, he will exalt you. But I was all about self-exaltation for years and years and years. And I still struggle with it. Mm. But you know, it's exhausting. 
And it finally came to the point of realizing after I had hurt any number of people and after I'd run over any number of people and had to go back and apologize and um, was humiliated any number of times, that this is not God's way. Yeah. Yeah, God's commands are for our good, even though when they seem hard and go against human nature. I just I totally buy into what you're saying because I've experienced it too. Yeah, that's good. I like sharing that. So for our listeners, um, what about you? You know, what, what about you? What areas in your life, are there areas in your life where you know God's commands but are living in disobedience and outside of what he wants for you? Are you looking for, quote-unquote, freedom in other places or through other people? Do you struggle to see how God's commands are good? Do you struggle to see how God is for you? And do you have questions about his commands? I would encourage you to pray more about this and ask God to reveal to you more of his good and perfect will for your life. And I would ask you to pray that you would ask God to reveal more of himself to you because he's for you. He loves you. He is for your good. And if you'd like to talk more about this with, with one of us, me or Alan, we would love to do that with you as well because you're not alone. Mm-hmm. But as we close this episode, there's just one more point I think we need to make in all of this, and that is the good news of the new covenant. See, we talked a lot about covenant, and so let's, let's think about what it means for, for us. You see, our Trinitarian God made a way for us to be in an everlasting covenant with him through Jesus, and by the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus came to perfectly fulfill the old covenant and to usher in the new covenant. Jesus lived a life that you and I could never live, keeping all of God's commands and enjoying the covenant relationship that God really wanted for his people. And what's really neat is Jesus, during his life and his ministry, he told his followers in John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. See, this is God. This is what Jesus wants for his followers. And Jesus, he died to offer us this kind of life for all who would trust in him and put their faith in him. You see, God knew we couldn't keep the covenant, so Jesus was our perfect substitute. Hmm. And then once Jesus rose from the grave and ascended into heaven, he sent us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would come and live within us as believers as a sign and a seal of the new covenant. The Holy Spirit would be a guarantee to all believers the promise of the divine covenant that I mentioned at the very beginning. I will be your God, you will be my people, and I will dwell among you. See, the Holy Spirit would give us a new heart. The Holy Spirit would write God's commands on our hearts, and he would cause us to walk in God's commands and obey his statutes, and obey all that he wanted for us. You see, here's the beauty of the new covenant, the beauty of the gospel. First, God never went back on the oath to his people to keep his promises to them. And second, through Jesus and through the Holy Spirit, God would provide the only way that we could obey and keep our commitments to him. And so as a response to all this, this wonderful news of the new covenant and the gospel We obey. We obey God's commands. Mm -hmm. Not to earn our place in the covenant. Not to make God more happy with us. But we respond with delight and with faithful obedience because the truth that the commands of our covenant-keeping God are for our good.
Yeah, that's exactly right. And that just that point that you make right there, God's commands are not there so we can earn him liking us, nope. right? <laughs> They're for our good and such, but this new covenant has freed us from the need to just meet all the standards and do all the things. Yeah. Instead, through the new covenant, like you said, we come to understand God's heart is for us and he loves us so much. And of course we want to keep his commands now. Mm. But so many of us, I just feel like, when we hear the word command or commandment, <laughs> Ten Commandments, right. there's this negative emotional feeling of, oh, these things I've got to do. Mm. I've got to measure up. I've got to strive. And, and I just think you did such an amazing job of communicating. That's not God's heart at all, right? Yeah. He's given us a way free of that through Jesus Christ. Mm. But these commands are good, yeah. right? And I just that's my favorite yeah. <laughs> part of this whole thing. God is for you, yeah. right? Just to mm. feel that that God really loves us and has our best in mind. Mm. And I just feel so many students that you and I talk to, when you mention God to them, the emotional reaction is Zeus sitting up in heaven with a lightning bolt Mm. in his hand. And he is ready. And if he does approve of you, it's only begrudgingly Mm. because you really don't measure up to him. He's just being nice. That's not the picture of God of the Bible at all. No, No, this God is for us, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And his commands are good. He gives us commands for our best because he loves us. And I think that illustration of, you know, your parents mm-hmm. telling you, don't play in the street. Right. Right? It's like, the street is the funnest place to play ball. <laughs> I, I was like that as a kid. It's like, yeah. my mom says I can't play in the street. Right. <laughs> and actually, she's just trying to keep me from being hit with a car. Yeah. And, and I know some of us have had parents who were unfaithful or did not always treat us as if they wanted our best. And so Mm. this idea of God being a loving father can be really difficult, Mm. which is why I think this passage in Hebrews 12, that's another one like this. It says, Our earthly fathers disciplined us for a time as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. Mm. He's saying, look, our earthly parents, they tell us things and give us commands to discipline us as best they can, even though they're flawed humans. But God, all of his commands, perfect. All of his rules for us, we can completely trust. There's no error there. There's no lack of love there. There's no human faultiness as in our earthly parents. Mm. You did such a good job showing that heart to us. God is for us. Mm. I just love that. That just gives me such a a dear picture of God. Yeah, we can't say it enough. Mm -mm, Can't say it enough. Yeah, God is for us. That's how he feels about us. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's who he is. Yeah. Well, everyone, thanks for listening to this week's episode. Catch us next week as we continue in our I Believe series. I'm really excited for what the series has coming up.